So I'm excited to share the collaboration that I had put together with Dandelion Dreaming and Carly Karma on AO3. The series is called A Perfect Day, and it will have its two-year anniversary on September 27th of 2022. The series is in three parts. Part one, which was titled Perfect Day, was written by Dandelion Dreaming. Part two, which is titled Sam, is written by Carly Karma. And part three, which is titled Dean, is written by myself on AO3. I'm known as Drasna. Perfect day. Rating is mature. Category is female-male. Fandom, supernatural. Relationship, Sam Winchester slash reader. Dean Winchester slash you. Sam Winchester slash you. Dean Winchester slash reader. Character, Sam Winchester. Dean Winchester. Reader, original female character. Teen Sam Winchester. Character, Teen Dean Winchester character. Additional tags. Fluff and angst. Angst and hurt slash comfort. Teen romance. Summary. You'd known them since you were young. The memories of a perfect day in an unfinished teenage love story haunting you for years. The drama that tore you apart and brought you all back together again, told in turn by you, Sam, and then Dean. A collaboration with Dandelion Dreaming, Carly Karma and Drasna, each telling a piece of the story in turn from the reader, Sam's, and then Dean's point of view. This was such fun for the three of us to write. Hope you enjoy reading just as much. Perfect Day Oh, it's such a perfect day. I'm glad I spent it with you. Oh, such a perfect day. You just keep me hanging on. Lou Reed Tell me a story, he whispers, moving closer, wrapping his six-foot-four-inch frame around you, laying his head against your stomach, too weak to move any further. His silky brown hair is damp with sweat as you stroke it, his arms still so strong, even now, encircling you as he shakes, his body racked with fever. You look down at him with a soft smile. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful boy named Sam. You responded without hesitation, slipping easily back into the game the two of you would play when you were younger, your voice low and soothing. He was always different, and it took him such a long time to understand that it wasn't a bad thing, that he was the best thing, loved and cared for with all his freaky edges. You felt his face smile under your fingertips as you traced his cheekbones, the contours and dips beneath them, forever etched in your memory, achingly familiar, filled with love, comfort, and sorrow. He had a brother Dean and a friend, a girl he knew growing up, his best friend, and sometimes his only friend. You whisper, your voice husky with emotion, The girl understood him in a way others didn't. She knew him, saw him more clearly than anyone else, even though they only saw each other a few times a year when their fathers worked to hunt together, and sometimes at Uncle Bobby's, the unofficial summer camp and daycare for hunters' kids. You chuckle quietly. But they kept in touch however they could, 
whenever they got to see each other. They would lay in one of the old cars in the junkyard, the skeezy carpet of a random motel room floor, or on the best nights, under a blanket of stars. And there they would tell each other stories. Sometimes they did it to help each other study or remember new lore they were learning. And other times, they did it just for fun, so they could imagine what it would be like to live a different life if their dads had different jobs if their moms had never been killed by the supernatural bullshit that now ran their lives. They used their stories to make themselves feel better, and as a way of telling each other secrets that they were either not allowed or were too afraid to share. You paused, your hand resting against his cheek. But there was one secret the girl never had the courage to put into a story. You smiled, those hazel eyes you adored flashing up at you as you spoke. That she was in love with Sam, and had been, almost since the day they met. Your smile widening, remembering. She didn't think Sam felt the same way, so she never said anything. Kept quiet. Even though she ached to touch him any time he was near. She wanted to run her fingers through his soft brown hair, kiss his lips till they were raw, and whisper her secret love to his heart so that hers would stop pounding so hard at the brush of his skin or mention of his name. You felt Sam push his face deeper into you, getting closer, knowing the next part of the story. Then this one perfect day, when she was 16 and he was 18, they went swimming out on the lake while their fathers were on a hunt nearby. They were supposed to be holed up in the cabin doing research, but the lake and the July heat called to them and made them rebel. You took a breath, stroking his hair once again, barely feeling its soft silkiness as you got lost in your memories, your story for Sam. They swam out to the raft and lay for hours in the summer sun, laughing and joking. The girl felt so good in that moment, one of her life's happiest. The way the sunlight danced on the water, the way he held her when he helped her onto the raft, his skin brushing hers and leaving tingles in its wake. She thought she might burst just to have him so close. When he eventually stroked the side of her face and softly kissed her, told her he loved her too. She thought she'd died and gone to heaven. You sighed, glancing down, Sam tilting his head as much as he could to look up at you, smiling at the memory, his skin both clammy and burning hot. There was so much more kissing that summer, slow discoveries and new knowledge of each other that made her head spin and her toes curl the sweetest teenage love story the girl could have imagined or hoped for, you murmured. But in the fall, Sam had to leave to follow his dream, to go to college and try for normal. You gulped. It left a sting, even all these years later. She knew that, and she knew she couldn't follow him because she didn't belong there. But she thought about him every day. 
you felt him grip you a little tighter, a silent acknowledgement that he knew how hard it had been to let him go. You'd long since forgiven each other for the things that happened next, but you still stumbled over your words, picking them carefully. While Sam was in college, the girl's father died, and she started hunting with his brother Dean. They grew close. He was funny and kind. He made her feel safe, and being with Dean helped her miss her dad and Sam a little less. You paused, skipping over that time, glossing over the fact that it was Dean and not Sam who was your first, that there was something so loving, raw, and lonely about the years you and Dean spent together, the way he would call you kid and baby girl, just as he always had, even when he was buried deep inside you. The awkwardness when the two of you came to Stanford for Sam, the sense of betrayal when you first saw his girlfriend, Jess, reflected back in Sam's hurt, hazel stare as he had realized you and Dean were together. You cleared your throat, pushing past it, treading lightly at the next part as well. It took a while for Sam and the girl to get their friendship back to where it was, but eventually they found a way, because they always would, because the other was too important, and they cared too much not to. Even when they fought, they always knew they would make up. But when Dean left and went to hell, things didn't go so well for Sam and the girl. She had thought they would help each other through it, but everything got messed up, and they had a terrible fight. You closed your eyes briefly, wincing at the memory and words said, she couldn't find a way back to him in his heart, so the girl left, and the two friends became lost to each other once more. You felt him tense beneath you, wondering what he was feeling. Sorrow? Guilt? You both had made so many mistakes in the past, but you could never count loving each other as one of them. It was several years and many sad things before their paths crossed again but the girl would often look at the stars and think of Sam, wondering how his story was going without her, if he was okay, if he missed her too. You heard him sigh. There was pain gnawing at your back, but you wouldn't move. Couldn't risk moving those arms wrapped around you that enveloped you and held you in ways you had wished for all those years. Sorry. I'm so sorry, baby. He whispered, his voice thin as you hummed reassuringly, ignoring the ache in your heart that threatened to overwhelm you. You felt like you'd spent your life waiting for Sam Winchester, hanging on to hope that one day, one perfect day like that day on the raft, the two of you would finally get your chance. Eventually, the girl and Sam found each other once again and it was as if no time had passed at all. Almost, you murmured. When Dean had tracked you down a few months ago, you hadn't known what to say. He'd made up an excuse about needing your help with hunting, but his attempts to ensure you and Sam spent time together were as transparent as they were adorable. It took them a while to get used to how comfortable they were with one another. It seemed strange how easy it was. And so they were cautious. 
they should have known better. They had lived this life long enough to know he should grasp each moment and make it count. But they thought they had more time. They went slow, when they should have gone fast. So sorry. I love you. I always have. Always. He rasped, struggling for breath, surprising you. You hadn't been sure if he was still conscious or able to talk, your heart a little lighter that he had made it to the end of the story with you, the last story you would ever get to tell him. Oh, Sam, we've always had such lousy timing, haven't we? You soothed, letting him know it was okay. I love you too. You replied sadly, kissing his forehead. Love you so much. Your voice trailing off as you heard Sam's breathing become shallow. Your own breath matching his. It would not be much longer, you realized. Your heart aching at the unfairness of it all. This is not how you thought yours and Sam's love story would end. But you wouldn't be anywhere other than here, now, with him. We'll get our happily ever after, Sam. You whispered tears streaming down your face as you realized you could no longer hear him or the shallow breaths. I promise. You lied, not sure who you were lying to. Your hands felt his body beginning to cool beneath your fingertips, your own body shaking, finally succumbing to the shock of your earlier wounds. Your phone rattled on the floor beside you, close, but out of reach as it rang incessantly once again. You eventually heard the low rumble of the impala as the last of your strength ebbed away from you. You tried to hang on a little longer, feeling sad for Dean, knowing how much this would hurt, losing his Sam, you. It would kill him that he was too late this time, that he'd let the two of you go on this milk run of a hunt without him, trying to give you more and more alone time together in the hopes that a lifetime of waiting would finally break you, that you'd both give in and start ripping each other's clothes off, be together properly at last. You knew he had always felt guilty for holding on to you all those years ago. You never told Sam what Dean had said before he went to hell, in the hours before the hounds came, and you recalled it now with bittersweet clarity. Hey, kid. It's okay. Please be with Sam after I've gone. Be happy. You're only on loan to me anyway, baby girl. We both knew that. He had whispered sadly. I was just minding you. You were always his. And I was being selfish. I should have let you go sooner. I just wanted some final memories, you know. To take with me. You had known that. It was why you decided to stay once you found out he was going to hell. Even though your heart wasn't with him any longer. Even when you felt it drift across the room to his brother every time you caught each other's eyes, filled with longing. You silently gave your heart to his brother and stayed with Dean because he was going to hell. And neither of you wanted to leave him alone to face that. All these years later, Dean had done his best to make amends but some things just weren't meant to be. You could hear his voice shouting for you both now, 
yelling your names as he came into the room, his yells fading, growing quieter and further away as you let go, unable to stay any longer, falling over the edge and into the waiting cold darkness. It was so quiet, the deep enclosure absolute, the shock of surfacing once again, causing you to take a deep breath in surprise. Hey, you look to see Sam above you, bronzed and beautiful, sunlight bouncing around him like a halo. Come on, he urged gently. Give me your hand. You reached out for him gladly, feeling light as a feather as he pulled you up onto the raft, wet skin tingling and bodies bumping against each other as he held you tight, the raft rocking gently. You melted into his arms as he kissed you softly, eventually pulling you down to lay on the hard flatness of the raft, allowing the sun and hot wood beneath you to warm your bones, the two of you leaning close, laughing and kissing as the waves lapped around you. It's so perfect here, he murmured, his sweet hazel eyes burning into yours. I could lay here forever with you. Me too, you whispered back, smiling lazily. Such a perfect day. Part 2 Perfect day. Just a perfect day. You made me forget myself. I thought I was someone else. Someone good. Lou Reed. Tell me a story. I whisper, shifting closer to curl around her, to lay my aching head on her soft stomach. I wrap my arms around her, holding her as tight as I can, even as I sweat and shake. Her gentle hands run through my hair, as soft and soothing as always. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful boy named Sam. My eyes flutter closed at the familiar words, familiar cadence. It's an old story, one made up by hopeful children. He was always different, and it took him such a long time to understand that it wasn't a bad thing, that he was the best thing, loved and cared for with all his freaky edges. Her hands trace my face, feel my smile, just for her. He had a brother, Dean. My mind drifts, half listening to the story, half filled with images and memories of youth. She was always so beautiful. We didn't always get to spend time together, but when we did, it was perfection. We were often left alone to fill days and nights with anything and everything we could. We spent days hiding from the world, studying our schoolwork and the lore, testing each other on algebra and how to kill a djinn. I would watch her, hunched over books and notepaper, a little frown between her brows and her hair shining in the light. And I fell in love with that frown. I fell in love with the way she would mutter to herself about homework and how hard dead man's blood was to get hold of. If we were lucky enough to spend time at Bobby's while our dads teamed up, we would seek out a car far from the house and hang out there, her in the front seat and me in the back, 
We'd make up stories for each other. Stories that made us laugh. Stories to share secret fears. Stories to hold on to hope for the future. We'd dream about what it would be like to have a normal life. With a mom. An apple pie life. She would smile. Her supple lips curling upwards and tell me she wouldn't know what to do with an apple pie life if it hit her in the face. I snuggle closer to her, wanting to hold on to the warmth as long as I can. She runs her hand down my arm, so hot on my cold skin. I tilt my head as far as I can to look into her eyes. They shine like they always have, but this time it's a shine of tears. She smiles softly at me. Then this one amazing day, the summer at the cabin, where I learned what peace was, what calm felt like, Dean and our fathers on back-to-back hunts, leaving us to hold down the temporary home base. I watched her storm around the place and sulk at being left behind. I enjoyed being left behind. It was easy. Nobody barked orders at me. Dad and I didn't fight. I was free to prep for college without anyone having an opinion to share with the room. I spent that month helping her research and getting everything in order for the fall. She spent that month with the little frown I loved between her eyes and unspoken words on her lips. I knew she wanted me to stay, but knew I couldn't. She knew I wanted her to join me, but knew she couldn't. So we danced around the issue together. Her with the frown I longed to kiss away, and me with the words I had to tell her waiting for the perfect moment. We were supposed to be inside doing research that day, but it was too warm, the lake too enticing. Eventually, she slammed her book closed, stood, and declared, Screw this, we're going swimming like normal teenagers. Moments later, we were chasing each other to the lake, her joyous laughter filling the air. We swam to the raft. Her hand in mine as I pulled her out of the water made my heart pound. For the first time in a long time, I felt pure. She made me forget the insidious voice in my mind, always dripping poison into my soul. The voice that told me I was unclean, unworthy, damaged. Her skin against mine made me feel like I was someone else. Someone good. I capture her fingers with mine, squeeze them as hard as I can. Her touch still silences the darkness within. I don't know what I'll do without it. She was so beautiful, sun-kissed and glowing, perfect. My heart pounded every time I caught her eyes. Every touch of her skin was electric. In the late afternoon sun of that hot July day, I finally cupped her face gently in my hands and pressed my lips to hers. I told her I loved her. I had always loved her. That summer was heaven. We woke up in each other's arms, her sparkling eyes the first thing I saw. I breathed in her strawberry shampoo and citrus-scented skin every night when I closed my eyes. I listened to her sigh in her sleep as she shifted further into my arms. I finally kissed away the frown between her brows after I told her she was the most stunning girl I'd ever seen. We spent hours exploring each other, running hands over heated skin, 
I committed to memory every sigh and moan she made. I laid her on my flannel shirt in the grass and kissed every inch of her skin. I showed her how good her body could feel under my hands and my mouth while she cried out and shook, hands locked in my hair. She begged me for more, for that last step, that last first for us to share. I held her hands as I explained I couldn't take that from her, knowing I was leaving her. It wouldn't be right. I didn't voice the surety I felt that I would taint her, that she was light and good and deserved better than my darkness. My arms tightened around her with as much strength as I can muster as the waves of hurt and guilt wash over me. Her hand runs through my hair, soothing the pain of the past. I can still see her face that day. She had tried to smile, to wish me well, but I could see the sorrow. Once I reached Stanford, it was easier to pretend back home didn't exist. I didn't call. I didn't visit. I refused to think about how I'd wiped her tears the day we said goodbye, my own cheeks wet. How I had told her she was beautiful and powerful, and I loved her. How I turned away from her. I threw myself into college life, trying to leave my old life behind. I wasn't the soldier Dad wanted. I wasn't Dean's little brother. I wasn't her Sammy. I was just Sam. I had plans, a scholarship to Stanford, and the drive to become a lawyer. I had a place to call home, friends I didn't have to leave behind. I met a girl, Jess, and I fell in love. She was smart, funny, kind, and beautiful. I left the past behind. I moved on. The love I felt for her never dimmed, never faded. It became a part of me. When the insidious voice whispered from the darkness, I would recall the day on the lake, the feel of her lips on mine in the warm sun. You can't run from your past forever. It always catches up with you. She and Dean came to Stanford. Dad's been on a hunting trip. My heart sank. I knew what that meant. When Jess came out of our bedroom to investigate the noise, I saw the shadow in her eyes. How could I explain it? I had left the life behind, and that meant her, too. It didn't mean I didn't love her, but I hadn't planned on coming back. I watched her and Dean as I packed a bag and reassured Jess that it was all okay. I was going to help them find my dad. I would be back by Monday for my interview. They stood close together, closer than before. There was an intimacy there that I'd never seen before. Nothing overt, just an unspoken knowledge of each other. Dean's hand on the small of her back as he passed her. A soft smile between them that I'd never seen before. Dean's eyes lighting up when she laughed. I tried to push my heart aside. I was out. I wasn't going back. This was a blip of a weekend and I would be back to normal on Monday. So what did it matter if she was with Dean? At least he hadn't loved her and left her as I would have. As I did. And I had no right to be angry. To be hurt. The voice in my darkness gloated. Of course she ended up with Dean. The better brother. The pure brother. 
He could love her in a way I never could. He wouldn't taint her. I pull myself from my memories to listen to her story again. Our story. She's rushing through Dean going to hell. She feels cold in my arms, but I don't know if it's my skin or hers that is cooling. I rub my cheek against her stomach. It's about all the movement I can manage now. My arms are still wrapped around her, but now they're numb. My body is still curled into hers. She gazes down at me, her soft lips curled up in a sweet smile. I want to feel those gentle lips against mine, but my muscles won't move now. Memories pull me back down as her voice lulls my eyes closed again. After Stanford, things were different. We were different. She was angry about Jess, and I was angry about Dean. We managed a civil truce between the three of us. It was tense, and it was awkward, but we avoided the subjects, and eventually, a feeling of peace was formed. The love that had melted into the background in California reemerged. I longed to kiss away her frown as she tracked down cases. If I showered after her, I would smell the same body wash and wish I could smell it on her skin again. But I couldn't. I had left and moved on, and so had she. I had to watch her wake up in Dean's arms while mine were empty. I watched them share sweet kisses, and my heart ached. Late at night, when they thought I was sleeping, I would hear her soft sighs and muffled moans. Sounds I knew so well but they weren't for me anymore. It was agony, but I had made my choices, and now I had to live with them. Until Dean went to hell. We fought it until the last seconds, desperately trying to free him from his deal, but he was ripped from our arms and taken regardless. And in the aftermath, we floundered. I threw myself into reversing what Dean had done, finding a spell, making a deal, anything to bring him back. I didn't eat, I didn't sleep, I drank too much and I became a man obsessed. She begged me to stop. Sammy, it's over, he's gone, you have to let him go. We fought, again and again. I was so angry. How can you give up on him? Dean would never stop looking for a way to save you. Did you even love him? Or was he just the closest Winchester who would have you? I roared, ignoring the way she crumpled in the face of my rage. If you're not going to help me, then go. I'll figure this out on my own. I spat. She sobbed, curling in on herself as if I'd physically hit her. I didn't care. I turned away, abandoning her. Again. She left while I was sleeping. No note. No goodbye. Just the keys to the Impala on the table. I didn't blame her. She had always deserved better than me. I had nothing to offer her but darkness. Sorry. I'm so sorry, baby. Guilt washes over me, and I have to tell her again how sorry I am for everything. It's hard to talk. Hard to get enough air. But I have to tell her. She's only been back a few months. I thought we had all the time in the world to try and find that day at the lake again. Life is cruel like that. I try hard to stay in the moment, listen to her finish our story. 
but they thought they had more time. She stops. Our story is over. So sorry. I love you. I always have. Always. It hurts to get the words out. I hear myself gasping between them. At least she knows. If I never speak again, I told her I love her. I've always loved her. I have no strength to clutch her to me now. I'm no longer cold, no longer shaking. I feel her kiss my head. I hope Dean reaches her in time. I know I'm at the end, but I pray she has the strength to hang on. I feel a tear slip from my eye as I close them a final time. Too hard to keep them open now. Love you so much. I hear her whisper. I try to whisper back, but there's no air in my lungs. I hope she holds on for Dean. Please let him reach her in time. Please. A splash of water jolts my eyes open. I blink and sit up, try to work out where I am. Warm wood beneath me and dappled sunlight on my skin. The raft on the lake. I look over the side expecting to see her there, remembering how she looked in the water that day. Hair slicked back and tan skin on show. How I reached out for her hand, pulling her onto the warm wood. She was weightless in my arms as I lay her out in the sun, her bright eyes blinking up at me as I leant down to press my lips against hers, the way she melted under me, a soft sigh escaping her, her face radiating with joy as I told her I loved her, her smile as she told me she'd always loved me. We'd stayed on the raft for hours, laughing and joking. I kissed her again and again, wrapped her up in my arms in the afternoon sun. She was so soft and warm against my skin, smelling of strawberry shampoo and citrus body wash. Such a perfect day, she'd sighed. I'm glad I spent it with you. I whisper, looking around the empty raft, smiling at the memory settling in to wait for her, however long it takes. Part 3. Perfect Day Just a perfect day. Problems all left alone. Weekenders on our own. It's such fun. Lou Reed Hey! Kid! Hey! Dean grips baby's steering wheel, thinking of her. Back when she was just a snot-nosed little pain in the ass, her tiny six-year-old hand clutching the hem of Sammy's jacket through the grass as they all explored. She claimed Sam for her own whenever the three of them got dumped at Bob Singer's salvage yard together. Dean became the unofficial director at the exclusive summer camp reserved only for the kids of John Winchester and her dad. Being the oldest... Dean would always get the brunt of Bobby's wrath, even if he'd had nothing to do with the initial plans that went horribly wrong. When she coated herself in motor oil playing mechanic, or Sammy hammered his thumb instead of a nail playing carpenter, Dean could never catch a break with Uncle Bobby. Gotta look after him, boy. I ain't got eyes in the back of my head. You gotta be that pair for me. Hang on for me, kid. A 12-year-old Dean had found a rusty old wheelie bike in the yard, was peeling pink paint, 
vinyl flower decals that could use some watering, and three pitiful streamers hanging from only one handlebar. He remembered the wide eyes when he'd taken an afternoon to clean it up and oil the chains, with nothing else better to do, and presented it. She shook her head, vehement that she wouldn't get on it. Sammy had nudged her closer to the bike. Dean taught me how to ride. He won't let you fall. And he hadn't. It had taken an hour of him starting and stopping, racing and braking alongside the bike as she struggled with the pedals, searching for a rhythm. He guided when needed, his hands on the sissy bar attached to the banana seat, her tiny purple sneakers with Velcro straps, more and more confident with each pass up and down the long drive. He'd let go when he knew she could do it on her own. Sam raised his hands in glee and hollered. Dean chuckles as he zooms down the dark highway, recalling the proud and amazed smile plastered on her face as she pedaled her way back to the Winchester brothers. Beat it, kid. Sammy's in the library. Got some lore to teach you. Dean ruffled her hair and scooted her into the room when she was nine. He knew a crush when he saw one. Sammy was at that girls-are-icky, eleven-year-old phase. All girls but her, though his serious and sullen younger brother would never admit it. And Dean could tell she thought Sammy was the best thing since peanut butter and banana sandwiches with the crust cut off. Take good care of Sammy while I'm gone, kid. He remembered the blush on her face that bright summer day, after he tossed a knowing smirk in her direction. He tried not to stare too long at the 16-year-old and her jailbait body. The curves spilled out of the top of a modest one-piece swimsuit and were hugged by a nice pair of accentuating jean shorts. The dads had been on a hunt together and decided to hole everyone up in a cabin by the lake for a couple weeks. Dean was tasked with heading into town that day to scope out a diner and ask locals some questions. The elder hunters trekked to a cemetery 20 miles away that morning to find the grave of a disgruntled specter. Dean thought about grabbing a couple drinks at a bar as well, just to get a well-rounded lay of the land and its inhabitants, of course. He'd already started to distance himself from Sam, knowing his younger brother was Stanford-bound in a month. Off to do bigger and better things than assist John on his almost two-decade revenge saga. But Dean? Dean would stay behind. He'd be there for their dad, like he always was. Because he wasn't built for much else than hunting anyway. Sam, though. Sam and John were like oil and water. And Sam was special. She was a lot like Sam. A bookworm. Sensitive and smart. And she was special. But she was a lot like Dean, too. Her dad could do no wrong in her eyes. She was loyal to a fault, even if it meant she'd sacrifice what made her happy. Dean knew Sam made her happy. I'm so sorry, kid. Dean wanted to take all that pain away. He'd held that 18-year-old kid, now a damn fine 18-year-old woman, in his arms for what felt like forever, listening to the soft sobs, stroking her even softer hair. She'd lost her dad in a hunt. Dean had heard the news from John in a voicemail, had traveled all day to find her on the family farm. He had to be there for her, be there the way he knew she'd wished Sam would. But neither one of them had heard much from Sam over the past two years 
now that he was Stanford studying to become a lawyer. He'd moved on. Dean looked into those still innocent eyes, even with all she knew and all she'd done as a petite package of a hunter, and thought of a way for them to both move on to. Come with me, kid. Come with you. She batted those lashes in confusion. You aren't going to do anyone any good on this farm, and you know it. My dad's been sending me out on jobs solo a lot more lately. I could use the help. Her hand wiped at the dribble, escaping one nostril. You don't need anyone's help, Dean. You're an amazing hunter. He shrugged. Well, then, I could use the company. That was when he saw it. That little glimmer in her eyes. That shift. It was only for a second. In that second, he wasn't just Sam's older brother. I'll cramp your style with the ladies. Nah, if anything, you'll make me more appealing and mysterious. He wiggled his eyebrows. They'll wonder what all the fuss is about with a beauty like you on my arm. He'd made her laugh. That was when he knew she'd be all right. Dean calls her cell. He almost hopes she doesn't pick up. Hope she and Sam will be otherwise occupied after his matchmaking threw them back together. Almost hopes that she and Sam finally got busy picking up where they left off. Almost hopes because there's still a spot on his heart with her name etched on it. Because she was never really all his. Those days with her were light and free. Even the ones that ended with salt and burns and bloody ghoul parts at their feet. What's up, old man? How goes it? Sam and I think we've got a lead. Going to check it out now. Taking good care of him while I'm gone? Dean chuckles, but a little part of him breaks at her uncomfortable laugh of response. Seriously, kid, do I need to come back and lock you two in a room? She mumbles into the phone. Jesus, give a girl a chance to play hard to get, would ya? No dice. After your little milk run, get down to the real work. Call it, kid. Five. Corner pocket. She voiced with confidence and won too many beers in her system. Dean scoffed. No way you make that. She tapped the cue stick on the floor, sticky with the kind of residue that could only form in a pool hall. And if I do? Her snarky smile and upturned chin appeared to be serious. Are we betting now? Dean mused. She nodded. I make it. You let me drive back to the motel. Dean's eyes widened. No way. Hmm. Then you must think I have a shot at making it. She twirled the stick in those delicate fingers that had sunk a silver blade into a werewolf a week ago. Six months hunting together doesn't earn you the privilege to drive my car. Duh. Another tap of the stick. That's why I have to win it. He shook his head and laughed. Okay. He smacked his lips together. What if you don't make it? She shrugged. You pick the poison. Her eyes studied him and waited for a reply. A huff. I don't have all night, Dean. He flashed her the prettiest smile he could muster. I'll tell you after you miss. Take it easy on the turns, kid. Shit. Dean squirmed in the passenger seat for a majority of the midnight drive back. He thought he'd given her enough time to get most of the alcohol out of her system, waiting an hour after she'd won the bet, talking about nothing and eating some greasy food at the bar counter. 
but there was some bravado and disregard in her handling of baby that made him think he should have waited a little longer. They'd made it, somehow in one piece, a death-defying fifteen minutes later. She refused to give him back his keys until they stopped at her motel room door. Even then, those fingers dangled the keys by her collarbone. Dean focused on the flush of her cheeks under the yellow floodlight flashing on occasion above them. All right, glad you had your fun. He displayed an open palm and stared down with every ounce of disapproval he could muster. It was impossible, though, with her smiling like a cat who'd caught a canary. Give me my keys and get yourself to bed. You're going to feel it in the morning. She shook her head. Come on, kid. I'm tired, and I've got a long drive tomorrow. What if I didn't make it? Huh? The shot. What were you going to bet? His eyes danced over her expectant ones. What does it matter? You made the shot. She scrunched her lids. Because I like to know the devious way the mind of the man I'm hunting with works. He sighed and thought of the past six months. The late nights researching. The diner food ranking system they'd come up with. Their mutual appreciation of a medium rare, perfectly grilled burger with cheese the trip to a zoo, and her fascination with monkeys. The night she got him wasted on sangria. The late night showing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He thought of how much he trusted her, hunting by his side. He licked his lips and smiled. Sam. She straightened her posture. What? I would have bet that I could make you forget about Sam. His eyes challenged the wonder staring back at him. Her breath held. He saw the moment of acquiescence. He dipped his head down, closing the distance, and whispered in her ear. At least for a little while. Surrounded by her trademark scent of shampoo and sweat, tickled by the strands of her feather-light hair, triggered an overwhelming need growing for a taste. But when he pulled back, ready to claim her lips... He smelled the beer. He couldn't help the grin on his face when he saw her eyes closed, mouth parted. He grabbed the keys and backed away, right before he planned a sprint down the sidewalk to his room. Night, kid. Are you sure, kid? It had only taken a few days after Dean's admission for them to kiss, and the past three months since had been filled with kisses. Making out in the back seat, front seat, diner booths, Park benches, theater seats, any seat putting them close enough to lock lips. They began sharing hotel rooms and feeling each other up seven ways to Sunday, to the point of blue balls for Dean. But he loved every minute, even the frustration, as he took it slow. The slowest he'd taken it in a long time. Because it was her. And she was special. And even though they never spoke Sam's name after that night in the bet... He was still a factor in all of it. I'm sure, Dean. She cupped his chin and nodded. This is so perfect. He'd found this spot on the map on their way to another job John had sent his way. He knew it would bring back memories for her, even if they weren't the exact same ones or the same place. He didn't know why it was so important to him to bring her to this lakeside on such a bright, sunny, summer day to pop baby's trunk 
and pull out a new picnic blanket he'd mindlessly picked up at a five and dime, to grab the green cooler from the back seat and unpack the sandwiches he'd made at the motel while she'd slept that morning, to unscrew the cap of the cheap bottle of red wine and pour some into a solo cup. But it'd been important, important enough for them to end up in baby's back seat after the picnic. After hours of talking by the lake, long enough to watch the sun go down and dots of light sparkle and wink atop the water's surface. Important enough for her to want to give him that precious, perfect, one-time gift. You're beautiful, baby girl. He'd whispered all the endearments he could think of as he peeled the layers from her skin, but none of them were enough. He'd bopped his head numerous times in the process on the fabric covering baby's ceiling. She'd giggled. She was nervous and insecure, but there wasn't any reason to be, not with him. He guided when needed, loved every inch, took care of her, because she was special. And for a little while, she was all his, until John Winchester had gone on a hunting trip and didn't check in like he should have after a couple weeks. Dean gets that tingle, that little blip in the back of his brain that zeroes in on Sammy. His brother texts him. He glances at his phone, half listening to the radio. Sam's doing the thing they always do when they are on their A-game, letting him know the location she and Sam plan to scope out. They should be there in an hour. That puts Dean an hour and a half from the two of them. He was going to head to Bobby's, which by his estimation is an hour drive out. Sam sends him another text. I'll take good care of her, Dean. Don't worry. Gotta look after him, boy. Bobby's voice breaks into his thoughts. He dials the old drunk. Something's telling Dean they may need backup. Dean mumbles. Who's gonna take care of the two of you, Sammy? Bobby picks up on the third ring. Need your help, Bobby. Hope you're sober. The three years of them all together, after dragging Sam out of Stanford to find John, had been a roller coaster ride. John's death hit them all hard. Dean grappled with the duty, the responsibility his dad had left in his hands in secret. Save Sam, or kill him. Dean suffered from whiplash from the back and forth between his little brother and the girl they both loved. He had known his place simply as protector in this trio growing up, but now he was a mediator, listener, and an unknowing instigator most of the time. And he struggled. God, did he struggle wanting the best for the both of them, but wanting something light and good and pure with her. And then, he sacrificed everything he had to bring Sam back from the dead, his own soul, because he couldn't live without his little brother, knowing he could do something when it had always been his job to look after Sammy. And he couldn't look at her another minute and see the loss in her eyes as she bent over the bed that held Sam's lifeless body a plume of blood soaking into the mattress. He'd had a year with them both after he made the deal, but he wanted her all to himself the night before his contract was up. The three of them were back at Bobby's, but he'd grabbed her hand and tugged her into Baby's back seat, parked far away from the house, down the long drive. They took time to reminisce in between kisses. She smiled into his chest, reminding him that he'd taught her how to ride a bike on this long drive years ago. And he loved her soft and slow and pure in the back seat. 
I'm not going to be mad, baby girl, or haunt you. It's going to be hard for me to do that with my soul in hell anyway. She was trying so hard to make him believe they would find a way out of it for him. Her voice hitched. He heard those soft sobs, the same ones when he'd gone to comfort her when her dad had died. He kissed her forehead, stroked her hair, and resigned himself to his fate. Hey, kid, it's okay. Please be with Sam after I've gone. Be happy. You're always only on loan to me anyway. We both knew that. That she and Sam had not found a way to make it work when Dean came back to the land of the living had irritated Dean in silence. He didn't try to reconnect with her that way again. He'd had his time with her, and it had been perfect. But Sammy, Sam needed her, needed to finish what they started. So Dean had broken down, swallowed that love and care he had for her, locked it away, and called her up some months back. We need your help, Kit. Dean pulls up to the abandoned farmhouse in the dead of night. Bobby's not far behind last time he checked. He calls her phone again. It rings and rings. He knows they're here. He passed her car on the long drive up. He canvasses the outside, readies his colt in his steady grip, creeps up the porch and tries the handle on the door. It opens with ease. Then, he sees the blood and the bodies of the monsters they were hunting. Sammy, he bellows, not caring what hears him. He circles throughout the rooms on the first floor. More blood, more bodies. Kid, he hears something up the stairs, coughing. He takes the steps two at a time, racing to the sound of her. The scene in the open doorway breaks him. Sammy, he rushes in. He calls to her. Hey, kid, hey. The End <laughs>